0: All right, everybody. It's time. It's that time again when we take a look at our mental health, how we relate to our thoughts, how we relate to our feelings, emotional fitness, wellness. It's Dear Anxiety. You might write a letter that starts out Dear Anxiety, or you might do a poster, or you might do something, but a lot of us live through this. And so our show is really about tools, practicing, because wellness, happiness, it's a practice. And so we're going to talk about some things that relate to that today. And today, one of my favorites is, of course, mistakes, because we always say people make mistakes, but we say it like it's a negative thing. And today we're going to talk about the fact that it is not a negative thing. Look how my voice went down. Now, my co-host, and thank God that she's here, because otherwise, what the hell are we doing? My co-host has, holds a degree in applied positive psychology. From the University of Pennsylvania, with the father of applied positive, so not the grandfather, not the minister, but the father, Marty Seligman. I never really asked her about her experience there, but I, I and I won't today. But we will get to it. But her company goes is incredible. It is a company that teaches resilience skills to kids, parents, families all over the world through animations, through using animated videos and all kinds of other things that we're gonna learn about. But Rini, mistakes. I've made a few.
1: Yeah, I have made many, made a few in the last like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make them every day. Yeah. I make them all the time. Why do we kick ourselves so much? When we make a mistake, what is up with that? We are so incredibly critical as if we should get up in the morning and lead the perfect day, no unforced errors, and then go to bed at night and repeat the same. I mean, it is not human.
0: Well, that's what it is. It's not human. Somewhere along the line through our evolution, we got away from being human. I don't know when it happened. It could have been three weeks ago. I don't know when it happened, but we got into this thing and maybe it's an American. I don't know whether it's just American, but this idea of perfection, because it's connected to perfection, because you must be correct. You must be perfect. You go to school and they teach you to get the correct answer. But what they don't teach you is how do you feel while you're learning? What are you thinking while you're learning? And what is your process? They don't teach you about those things. And that's why learning is painful for most people. You have to learn how you learn. And my daughter's school is like that. So it's that's kind of a cool thing that I want to talk about. But where do we learn that mistakes are not positive?
1: You know, it's so interesting that we're learning how to learn when we come into the world already knowing how to learn. And you talked about perfectionism. Brene Brown has one of my favorite quotes on perfectionism. She says perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought. If I look perfect and I do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame judgment and blame. So really, it's an avoidance system. So you're talking about, you know, how we have to learn how to learn in school. But I think that we come into this world incredibly savvy at learning and incredibly resilient. And we can just go back to very simple examples. When we come into this world, we don't know how to walk. We don't know how to talk. We don't know how to feed ourselves. We don't know how to dress ourselves. We're pretty much don't know how to do anything without support but when we start to do those things one thing that all humans have in common is they want to master skills you want to master the skills that you see someone older doing you want to be able to do that and so you don't start walking and fall down and then say oh well i fell i think that that's you know you're one year old you're like that's it that's i'm over it made a mistake not doing it again we are coming into this world wired to learn and we're wired resilient to overcome challenges because we don't see a falling as a failing. It's just part of the process. It's part of the learning process. And so we're very, very process oriented. And then we've become very, very destination oriented as we start going to school.
0: Yeah, that that is a really interesting thing. I'll tell you, my daughter, she was going to the school, and it's a school that teaches kids to be aware of how they learn. And so what how they do. How do they do that? The whole school is based on the hero's journey. So it's kind of, it sounds touchy feely, but it's actually pretty interesting. It's you're the hero of your own story. And along the way, there are challenges and challenges are possibilities. But when they do, they do this one simple thing. They put a pie chart in front of you. You draw a pie chart and you have three zones. You have your panic zone, you have your comfort zone, and you have your challenge zone. So right away, it teaches you how to be aware of what you're feeling as you're going through the steps of your process. If you're in the panic zone, you probably need to change the way you approach something. You're not a bad person. You're not doing anything wrong. You need to just make a shift because nobody wants to live in their panic zone. What about your comfort zone? Well, your comfort zone is not where you want to be for ultimate learning because you're not challenging yourself. You're not growing. Well, you want to be in your challenge zone. So how do you do that? You have to be aware of your thoughts and your feelings and your process. How are you going about accomplishing this thing? So it tracks your feelings.
1: Oh my goodness, Ed. uh, Seriously, (laughs) this is such an important concept and idea. I cannot, like, let's underline and highlight, If for those of you who are listening, not if you're driving, please don't veer off the road to try to draw that out. But what Ed just said, I think answers a question that we get at GoZen daily, which is how much... Should I push my child that's anxious because I don't want to make them more anxious, right? But what you said is that you have these, this pie chart. You're either in the panic zone, you're in the challenge zone, or you're in the comfort zone. And I always say to parents that, listen, challenging your child is going to help them grow, but you don't want to push them out of their zone so far that they're past growth and they're into distress. Which I think is similar to this pie chart that you're talking about. It's so incredibly important. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's a great. That, that's one thing that the school does that, that that was really interesting to me. And the other thing that they do is they they list it on the wall. The first day she started, they had a big poster, and the poster said, "As soon as you enter this studio." You are loved, you are accepted, you belong, you are brilliant, you have everything, and it makes this list of stuff and I was thinking about over my desk, growing up, I had you don't belong, you don't in my own head, and the messages from the school at the same time, where you don't belong, you're not good enough, you can't make it. It was all the opposite of what they were saying, and my response to seeing this on day one. I burst into tears
1: Oh just burst it's into beautiful, tears beautiful because it's truth because they are love right these children they are light they come in with love and incredible light and to let them know that they're loved they're accepted they belong that they're brilliant and that no number no quantification no grade no class rank, no score, no number of likes on a post affects that because all of that is within them. So I can see why you burst into tears. It's amazing. What a beautiful school. It sounds like an amazing school. It is. And it's such a simple thing,
0: too. These concepts, these things that I talked about, the pie chart and that list of things, they're pretty simple. They're not. It's not a very complex thing, yet it's extremely profound and extremely powerful. Why? We don't see it in life. We don't see it in life. We're not told this. We're not shown this. Mostly. We're not, we don't practice this. And you could practice it. And it is, it is a pretty simple thing. But look, how am I feeling while I'm doing what I'm doing? Why can't I track my feelings and my thoughts while I'm doing the project? Even if I'm in a job, I'm in a job and I have to do things. I have to accomplish certain things. But if I feel like crap while I'm doing it, maybe I need to do it differently. Maybe this isn't the only way to do it. Maybe struggle isn't the only way to live. And Well,
1: I think that there's this disconnect because you feel like you can't be in struggle yet be whole at the same time. Like What you were talking about, that sign that's hanging up in the studio where your daughter goes to school and you're talking about kids being loved, accepted, you know, that they belong, that they're brilliant. They are all of those things, as are we, no matter what we're doing, even in the midst of our struggle. And I think there's a huge disconnect between the goals that we set in our life and the feeling of wholeness, because what we start to believe is, well, if I accomplish this, if I get an A in this grade, then I will be able to be in the gifted program. And if I'm in the gifted program, then I will be able to go to a good school. And if I go to a good school, then I will be able to get this good job. And if I get this good job, then I will be successful, right? And if I am successful, then there's my pot of gold of happiness. So all along the way, the wholeness, the the wholeness of who we are is put into these if-then sentences. And instead of if and then there should be an and I am whole with everything that I have I came into the world whole and I am working toward this goal and sometimes it's a struggle it's okay to struggle but it doesn't mean you're not whole and I really really believe that this focus on the end result on that pot of gold of happiness at the end of this strange rainbow is where we are going wrong. I don't think it's wrong to set goals. I don't think it's wrong to want to quote unquote achieve. I don't think that that's anything shameful. I think that the idea that somehow that will provide value to our worth, I think that's where we're going wrong.
0: Yeah, we've attached we've attached value to, to who we are to it. it. Who who you are can come and go based on what's what you're achieving, and that's still true of of so many people. It's true of kids. It's true of a lot of people can relate to that.
1: So yeah. we have a lot of kids, right, that are afraid to make mistakes, and I would love to talk a little bit about that mindset issue. Should we talk about mindset?
0: Absolutely. You're 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 talking. I mean, there's three really big things here. Perfection, mistakes and mindset. What's the connection between those three things? So what about mindset?
1: So, you know, there's this Stanford psychologist. Many of you listening may have heard of her. Her name is Carol Dweck. And she came up with this simple idea of mindset through her decades of research on success, where she identified two mindsets that people can have, a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. So in a fixed mindset, people believe that their qualities of intelligence and talent are fixed. You are just born with those things. You're born smart, you're born talented, or you're born not, right? And so people with a fixed mindset spend their time really kind of recording and documenting their smarts, their intelligence, instead of trying to develop them. They're trying to show you like, I am this smart, I am this talented, but really not trying to develop them because they don't believe they can be developed. And so people, there's another side to this, right? Which is people with a growth mindset, who believe that really, their most basic abilities can be developed through effort, through hard work, and so this is a belief system, which is why it's called a mindset. It's the way that you look at the world. And what she found through her research is that people with a growth mindset, they are more motivated, they are more productive, they have better relationships, they are more successful in school. And a lot of this is attributed to the fact that they're able to take risk they're able to be vulnerable and they see failing as part of the processes of learning and making a mistake as part of the process of learning.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you've you've heard this, you know, many times. I remember I wrote a sketch for a show once and it was called the Failure Awards. It was rewarding people, giving awards to people for their failures. So- If you risked a lot and you took like Abraham Lincoln would come up, he'd have, he had this long list of failures, Thomas Edison, a huge list of failures, almost anybody, Steve Jobs, you name it. All the geniuses, all the people that go forward, they have this incredible list of failures, but their self is not somehow not attached to it. And so they're able to keep going and experiment and find what they need to find and shine with their brilliance the way they're meant to be but they couldn't have done it without the failures. But my question is mistakes. How do you encourage people to make mistakes along the way that not only is it okay, it's necessary?
1: I think, you know, what you're talking about is one of the ways. I think there are a lot of different ways that you have to approach this with a child, especially a child that doesn't want to make mistakes, right? And they've, eventually curl up into themselves and they stop trying because the result of not wanting to make a mistake and wanting to have a crystal ball that tells you, listen, I'm going to succeed, whether it's socially or on a test, or in any environment, I want you to tell me for sure I'm going to succeed. That's the only way I'm going to try. So these are the kids that we're talking about, right? So what do we do with them? So you were talking about, you know, exemplars. And I think it's important to tell stories about people who have used their failures as stepping stones to success, definitely. But there's a lot of different ways to approach this. I think from a very young age, I have seen in the work at on that kids are very interested in brain science, even from ages four and five, right? So teach kids the brain science. Look, just like a weightlifter that would lift weights, you need to be an athlete for your brain. You have to exercise and you have to practice. And by practicing, you are literally making your brain stronger. That is what the workout is for your brain. And just like maybe a basketball player can learn new moves, your brain can learn new things too. And so it's okay for things to be hard. It's okay to make mistakes because things are firing in your brain when you make mistakes. So there are a lot of different resources out there to teach kids about the brain science, but even the very basics. Like your brain is actually an organ, right? It's not a muscle, but you can say the brain is like a muscle and it gets stronger the more you practice and it gets stronger when you make mistakes. So these are just some of the things. So talking about people who are out there who have really achieved quote unquote success, whatever that may be, you'll have to talk about that with your child. But after many, 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 many traditional mistakes and failures, and then you know what's fun for kids, you can talk about things like penicillin, Teflon, Post-it notes, Velcro—these were all things that were made by mistake, and it happens all the time in science. Like accidents play a very big role in scientific discoveries, and so I think there—I think the statistic is somewhere like a third of inventions were found really by mistake.
0: Yeah, I, I love those stories. There are so many, and I think they're—I think they're amazing, and they get kids' attention, you know, right away. If I had a school. I would do the thing with, I would do some kind of physical thing, and then I would make the connection to your brain. Like, I actually would go out and play basketball, or I would do yoga, or I would do a movement, or I would do jumping jacks. And then I'd say, now we're going to exercise our brain. We just exercised our muscles. Now we're going to exercise our brain. And you know, the amazing thing about the brain is the brain can change, and it will change, and it does change, and it's elastic. And it really can change. So what you think actually can change your brain. The way you look at things can actually change your brain. And there's this, isn't there this exercise, this crumpled paper exercise? I don't know what they call it officially, but... Yeah,
1: yeah. it's probably called a crumpled paper exercise where you can crumple up a piece of paper and you, you know, and then you open it back up and... You take a marker and you highlight all of the creases and you can tell kids, this is exactly what happens to your brain. The brain makes connections like these when you're making a mistake. So I think what you're talking about in terms of doing something physical, you know, to really teach the lesson is a fantastic way to have a child really embody the lesson, right? Because we move our body and our brain, it's better for our retention. I was almost thinking as you were saying that, if that if you had almost like an auditorium or a gym, available and you could roll out a huge piece of paper on the ground that it would really be cool to make a model of the brain and you could even use basketball. You could play a basketball and see how many free throws people get and see how many they don't get. Every time someone misses, you draw another neural connection on the brain. I mean, these are just fun ways kids learn by play and they will embody the lesson as all humans do if you use movement. So that's super fun. You know what else is really fun, Ed? I bet you would love this and you'd be fantastic at it. So there was a book that came out a few years ago called Rejection Proof. And I, I believe the author's name is Jia Jiang. And he talks about how rejection is like a muscle. He was afraid to get rejected, right? Afraid to put himself out there, afraid to be vulnerable, afraid to make mistakes, afraid to show people who he really was. All of these things are tied together. Right? We don't want to be who we really are because we don't want to be judged for our for our flaws. So he said he didn't want to be like that anymore. So he started doing something called rejection therapy, where he would go, would go. he made up these challenges for himself. It was so funny. It was like he would go up to a stranger and ask them for $100. Right? <laughs> like things where you're obviously going to get rejected, because he wanted to build his muscle when it came to rejection, which is very closely related to making a mistake. I, wow. I think that it, I would love to film you doing some of these things walking up to someone and being like hey can I borrow a hundred bucks you don't know
0: I'd love to do that Uh, in fact I have been doing that (laughs) I
1: I would love you to deliver pizza to domino's pizza like walk into a domino's and be like i have a delivery for you
0: yes Yes. i have a delivery and i think you're going to really enjoy this this is called pizza (laughs) um it's very tasty i don't know if you've ever heard of it but it's great yeah i i would love to do that i I think i have a word that really embodies this and i call it miss and so here's what it is it's you're taking a vacation from actually judging your mistakes you're taking a mistakation
1: I love and, that.
0: Yes. I also want to start doing things in mistake-a-vision, which is a new technology which actually celebrates mistakes. Maybe it's a new network. I don't know. But anyway, these are things that can be done. These are things that we can practice, and they are things that, w- that we can do. I-, I can't even express to you how tied to perfection I've been my whole life. And oh, how yeah.
1: Are you a former perfectionist? I'm I, a perfectionist my as
0: we speak. Yeah, oh, as, as we speak. speak.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, as we speak. Everything is perfection. When I sit down to write something, it ha- I learned somewhere along the line, don't do anything until you know how to do it well. That's literally the belief that I had growing up. If you can't do it well, don't do it. Yeah. And so that's what hard. happens? What happens? What happens is you don't do anything and you terrorize yourself. That's what happens. So The mistake, you know, taking a vacation from from judging mistakes is a really, you know, it's such a good thing and such an important thing. Also, you need to stay in
1: that place. That's the lifestyle, you know.
0: Yeah, I I think it is. That's why, you know, stay staycation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that these things are they're really things to practice. You can you can take a vacation from all that judgment and actually focus on how you feel and what you're thinking while you're doing the things that you do. Because It all fits together. If you're unhappy doing something and you pushing forward, that's not necessarily where you want to be. It might be, but but maybe you need to take a look at that. You know, maybe maybe I'm not saying you can struggle isn't a part of living. It is, but resistance doesn't really lead you to to growth. No, I mean that's what I found.
1: What you resist just persists so it comes yeah. back up for you. I think one thing that we can really talk about with our kids is the feelings as you're talking about, the feelings that you're really getting when you make a mistake, right? And the thoughts that are going through your head, because again, a lot of those are related to judgment from the outside. So you feel conscious about other people judging you and then your own self-judgment. So in taking this mistakation, you really need to practice some self-compassion, which we know from Dr. Kristen Neff, who I've interviewed before, and she's lovely, she is the mother, We talked about the father of positive psychology. She is the founding mother of the field of self compassion, right? And what she has found is that treating yourself like you would treat a friend and speaking to yourself like you would treat a friend is really important when it comes to moving toward your goals. It is far more productive to be kind to yourself than to beat yourself up. So if you're making a mistake and you're being hard on yourself because of whatever mistake you made, then you can change your inner voice. You really can. And she talks about three components to self-compassion. One is your inner voice. So the way that you talk to yourself. The second one is common humanity. So really knowing that there are other people out there going through struggles, just like you, you're connected to other people. You know, we're all in this together. And then an element of mindfulness, which is being able to sit with that discomfort yeah, I made a mistake. It's not about papering over it. It's about acknowledging it, feeling it, understanding it's part of the process. I've also found for kids, you know, I don't know if we talked about this before, Ed, but the the research behind the near miss, they found that Let's say a kids go in to take a test and they get everything right on the test because maybe they have done some rote memorization or maybe they're doing some critical thinking. Well, they have found in the research that mistakes that are a near miss can actually help a person learn information better than if you have no errors at all. Because you're actually processing, it's probably because you're processing the information, you're really giving it deep thought, right? And so I think explaining this type of research to kids goes a really, really long way.
0: You know, that's interesting. I I have, there was a movie a while ago. It's a strange movie with with Patrick Swayze, who is the father of near misses. And he, and he, uh, he basically,
1: he. I don't know what that means, but see, it makes me laugh.
0: (laughs) Well, he's the father of near misses, but, but he, he basically teaches these kids, they're having trouble playing baseball and he teaches them to swing to miss. The goal is missing. It's not hitting the ball. It's missing the ball. And what happens to them is they start hitting the ball over the fence as soon as they that that's what happens because they're not swinging to hit it. They're swinging to miss it. And he's taken the stigma off of missing. So off of swinging and missing, off of striking out. So, you know, that's where the near misses come in. I think I think that you you change your perspective and you say, oh, it's OK. Not only is it OK to miss the basket, I'm, I, it's fine. In fact, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on purpose it's kind of interesting. I like that. I like
1: like that. that. I like that a lot when you're taking the pressure off of, you know, what if I miss it? What is everyone going to think? What is that going to be like? I wish I could be like this. You really psych yourself out. And I'm sure that parents who are listening have heard about praise and the different types of praises. So I just wanted to touch on that for a second. Sometimes it's hard to do, right? So in Carol Dweck's research on mindset, she found that you can really help a kid move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset by changing the way that you praise your child. So the goal is to praise their effort rather and their process rather than the person, right? So instead of saying things like, you're so smart, you can say, I can see you worked so hard on this. Right. I found that when I'm in the moment with my own kids, if I can't access that information, sometimes you stumble. You're like, oh, what am I supposed to say? I'm supposed to process the. I'm supposed to what, what, what? You get confused. Sure. I have found that an easy trick for me is just narrating what they're doing, you know, and when they get a little bit older, sometimes they think it's strange. But as they're young, you can say things like, oh, I see that you're drawing with the color purple. Like It's more matter of fact. And they just kind of look at you like, wow, you're brilliant, mom. Yeah, I am using the color purple. Like, good good job. <laughs> good job to you. But if yeah. you are struggling with, you know, praising the person or praising instead of praising the process, then I find that just kind of narrating what they are doing shows them that you're being attentive without giving them that person praise.
0: Yeah, that's that's a real tough one for a parent. And, th- and in fact, that's what I want to ask you. How can we, we've talked about how parents can teach kids. How can we teach parents that it's okay not to be perfect?
1: Oh, we have to embody this. If we're not, if we don't believe it and we don't embody it, we're going to have a really hard time passing it on to our kids because whether they're watching consciously or subconsciously, they're watching, right? And they know. So we really do have to model it. So I would say that. One, if you're a person that is influenced by data and research, there's a ton of it on this subject, and that you can start researching growth versus fixed mindsets, you can start looking at the research. But if you're a person that is an experiential learner, then I would say that you begin to practice self-compassion. Because although we want our kids to be compassionate toward ourselves, toward themselves, you know, they're basically going to adopt the inner voice that we're using with ourselves. If we're beating ourselves up for making mistakes, you know, it's more likely that they are going to do the same thing. So how do we teach parents? We get them to really buy in by trying it. So do the research if the research is meaningful to you. Otherwise, practice it. Practice it. Think about the last mistake you made. I would invite you to think about the last mistake you made and your reaction to yourself.
0: Your reaction to yourself. So what you were saying about uh, Dr. Kristen Neff, the mother of self-compassion, the godmother of soul, is what I call her. Um, <laughs> like Aretha Franklin. I don't think I mean I love Aretha, but I I think Kristen Neff is a godmother of soul. At any rate, so you said step one is how you talk to yourself to be aware of that. Number two is that there's a common humanity. Everyone goes through this. And number three is some kind of mindfulness that you can practice. And so doing those three things can actually change your perspective on, you know, on mistakes and on the fact that you're you know, as a parent, you're, you're enlisted with this. You're supposed to be perfect. That's the message. And the thing is, you're not perfect. And what you, anything that you're trying to teach your kids that you're not doing yourself is a big issue and of course i'm the father of that
1: you're the father of big issues we have a lot of fathers and mothers on this and you are the it's, father of big issues
0: it's a family affair <laughs> that was my that was my name when i first came over from the old country um and you know what made us old in the old country judging ourselves oh right what's the um, old
1: country boston i thought you're from boston uh,
0: I am from the University of Shane. No, um, no, no. I am from Boston. Yes. <laughs> that's from Boston. the old
1: country. <laughs> the old
0: country. Yeah. For me, it is. Yeah. It was the, the judgment. We, we lived in Judgment City. That's what it was. But anyway, this is, this is really important. I feel like we talk about parents and kids, but if the parents, if, if myself, if I as a parent can't do these things or don't practice these things, what am I telling my kids? what am I, you know, what am I doing with my daughter if I am not doing any of these things? But somehow it's important that she does it. Um, It's really
1: hard. You know, it's really hard when our kids come home and they're like, listen, I studied so hard and I did terribly on this. And you're all of a sudden, you're trying to talk about Katy Perry and how she failed so many times before she became an accomplished artist, you know, and they're like, listen, (laughs) it's not relevant to my life. It's really hard sometimes to apply this material directly. But I would say progress is, I was once told measured in years and not months. Okay. And so what the goal is, is not to change their mind in the moment right away in the second, but really to kind of set Some plant some seeds, right? Set up some good foundation for them to understand that you really believe that making mistakes is part of a growth process, that it is part of the process of life, and that it's okay to feel bad, and that you're not trying to make them feel invalidated and not really hear them. Because I think one mistake that we make, especially when we dive into the research, we're like, Oh, making mistakes is great. You know, look at this, look at it It lights up your brain. And it does this. And it's super important. And it helps you with retention and all of these great things is we want our kids to really embrace that right away. But making a mistake can feel bad. It can feel really bad. I made a mistake with my daughter's school a few weeks ago, and I missed something that was important. And it literally I was so gutted. And I reached out to my mom to tell her about it. And she's such a good listener. She's a beautiful listener. And that's what I needed in that moment. So if she were to start talking about research on like how it was making my brain grow, I probably would have growled at her. (laughs) So we have to kind of remember that kids need to be heard, that the feelings need to be felt. And to to sort of go from there.
0: Yeah, you mentioned earlier that, that narrating, this is what I see you doing, that that's a way of, that's a different way of praise, of acknowledging. Narrating, that's a big thing. And then listening, listening, actually listening and saying what you hear. This is what I heard you say. Is that correct? Is that, am I right? Did I hear you say that? That's Communication. I mean, they teach couples that in, in therapy or, you know, as a therapist. I mean, you're supposed to mirror and, and mirror back to the person what you heard them say. Because sometimes we're not hearing people. And these are these are basic things. These are like, you don't have to fix anything as a parent. You have to to listen and to validate is like, that's a big part of the job.
1: I think that like, what you just said is so important. You don't have to fix anything. I think that a lot of people would say, but wait, I am here because I want to ease my child's pain. I want to support them. I want to work through this. But when we go into conversations with the goal of wanting to fix and wanting to make it better, and then it doesn't seem to do that, we feel helpless. And once you begin to feel helpless, it's a really, really Difficult sort of hole to dig yourself out of. So I think taking away the goal of fixing, right, for your child with this and inserting the goal of active listening is amazing. And what you just said about reflecting back what they're feeling is such a powerful active listening skill that I think all of us can try.
0: You can definitely try it. I wish I could do it. I'm saying it now, but I I, I immediately go. Let's do it.
1: Let's do a role play where we do it. Rolling. Rolling,
0: rolling, guys. Rolling. Okay, that's okay. good. Okay, So what am kid. I going to do? Okay.
1: okay You
0: be so so the active you are... listening adults. <laughs> okay, and maybe you're doing something. I mean, you whatever you like to do. But I was going to think with the growth mindset, I was thinking that maybe you were doing a report for school or something and you were getting frustrated.
1: Yeah. You didn't you know didn't want to make mistakes. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. We're good. All let's, right. Let's okay. roll with this. Okay. Here we go. Okay. okay. Light, camera,
0: and that's it. Go for it.
1: Oh, I'm making this model of the solar system, and I cannot seem to get Venus right. I have to paper mache Uh-oh. this thing again. Oh, I'm wow, so, so I, stupid.
0: Oh well, I you know I see you working so hard on this. Oh, I you see, don't... you're making. I, it, it's it's really hard to to do this. No, to work don't so hard I'm on. Going
1: through. It. You don't have to do this. You did it like a million years ago. You know yeah. it's much harder now.
0: I see that you're really having a hard time because it's really challenging. There were planets years ago when I was a kid. It may not have been the same, but I assure you that there were planets.
1: Don't make me laugh, Dad, because this is really hard. You know, this is a big part of my grade, and I have a lot of other stuff to do. I don't have time to make Venus again.
0: You know, honey, I hear that it's really, it's really hard for you (sighs) and I'm just watching it and I, man, it's, this is a really tough Why do uh, I have to make so many
1: mistakes? My brother doesn't make this many mistakes. Everything's so much easier for him.
0: Yeah. You see things as easy for your brother. I know, you know, you know, how are you feeling right now? Let me just stop you and ask you, you know, what's going on for you right now? Because it seems like you're going through a lot of stuff, not just the Venus stuff, not just
1: the Venus. That's how I feel. Sure. I hear, you. I
0: hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I don't want really
1: to do this. This is silly. We don't live in space. We live on Earth. Why do we even have to make this thing?
0: Yeah, I yeah, that's true. That what you said is absolutely true. We don't we don't live in space. Now we're living right here. And you know, let me ask you this: is is it okay? Maybe we could just take a take a second and take a look at what we're doing, and and take a little little mental vacation, a little break for a second, and just. You know, take a breath because there's a lot going on. Yeah. You got a lot going on right now.
1: Thanks, Dad. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Cut. We got it printed at the wrap. So I have to tell Lunch, you. Something. Okay, I've, I've exited the role play. That actually made me feel better. You know, because <laughs> when I go into role playing a kid, I basically take on my, you know, either 10 11 12 13 14 year old persona and so it's easy for me to kind of slip back into that and that what you did which you were just mirroring essentially what i was saying that empathy made me feel better it made it got me to the place where i could at least feel what i was feeling you know and it got me out of the place of i was enraged so it it brought me back down
0: Well, that's good, because you see, I I struggled with myself. What Mm -hmm. I was thinking is I got to get in there with the growth mindset stuff. And what I realized is you're feeling something. And if I'm trying to teach you something in that moment, other than just being with how you're feeling, then I'm not going to get through.
1: No, you can drop in what, you know, the growth mindset information, if that is a foundation has been established outside of the moment. In other words, don't try to teach it in the moment, in the heat of the moment. The teaching comes only outside of those moments. And what you did was perfect, which was holding space for the experience that I'm having, and also probably reining yourself in, right? Because as we're going through these things, if this is something that's happened repeatedly in your house, you might start getting very frustrated, both at your child and at yourself, because you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how to handle this. I can't seem to fix this. So change the goal from fixing it and handling it, right? Because you are handling it just by being there. Change the Goal to holding space for your child, and then teaching these concepts outside of the moment. Because there's something else that needs to be that needs to be handled in that moment, which is really being able to listen empathetically. You know, there's different ways to listen empathetically. Sometimes it's just a hmm. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it is reflecting back what the child is saying to you, it really depends on the situation. It depends on your child. I wouldn't even go into the narrating of what they're doing at that point. So if there is no in-the-moment issue, then definitely, and I want to praise the process, then a lot of times what I do is I find a character strength. Whoa, that was really resourceful of you, depending on the age of the child, you know, if they understood that, or they might say, what's resourceful? You can say, I think it's really creative how you found a solution, you know, to use a wire hanger to hang all the planets together that was really interesting. So you can use a character strength to praise the process. But I wouldn't do any of that if we were in the situation that Ed and I just played out.
0: Right. And I'd say, you know, if I was doing the mistake, like, I don't get it. I don't get this. There would be things that you could talk about with mistakes. And maybe then, if it's just a simple, you know, I'm struggling with a, a thing that I'm doing, but I'm not beating myself up. I'm, I just don't get it. Maybe then there could be some conversation about the beauty of mistakes and how this is how this is how everybody learns. There's a story behind this. You know Michael Jordan. You know what, whoever LeBron James or whatever 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 your kid is into. You can tell them a story about that, or you can have a fact about it, or you can do the brain the crumpling the brain thing you can do the crum- um,
1: crumpling the brain thing you can do the game of fortunately unfortunately so you know unfortunately i wasn't able to make your game today and then the other person says fortunately you, you know and then insert something so so let's just try this for a second so okay. unfortunately eddie i wasn't able to make your game today
0: well but fortunately we can make it We can make it later, and that gives us something we can play. We can do it together.
1: Unfortunately, I didn't think of that great idea. I wish it were mine.
0: (laughs) Fortunately, you have a brilliant child sitting right beside you who can show you the way.
1: I have to tell you that this fortunately, unfortunately, what we're doing right now generally ends in laughter. Okay, it really is a good thing that you can do with your kids that you can practice with your kids. It's really fun to do. And it generally ends in laughter and humor is an unbelievable tool to use in any situation if you're able to get it in there, if you're able to inject it in there, but you wouldn't know anything about humor, would you Ed?
0: I don't know anything about it, unfortunately. And fortunately... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not on stage right now. Unfortunately, we are also out of time. Or unfortunately, yes.
0: Good segue. Good segue. This has been a great show. You know, I, I think that that all these issues could be talked about a lot, and you could never get tired of it because because we experience it so much, and we don't talk about it enough. But you've been listening to Dear Anxiety, and I'm Ed Krasnick, and my partner Rini Jane. We've been talking about this. There's a couple things that we need to take care of here. First of all. This podcast is getting great reviews, rave reviews by you, and we want to say thank you. Thank
1: you guys you, so
0: much. Yeah, because we we wanna we wanna get the word out to as many people as possible. We want you to listen to us on iTunes, continue to listen to us on iTunes. You can hear us at bitly bit.ly forward slash Dear Anxiety on iTunes you can listen on Stitcher you can listen on wherever you, Google Play whatever, wherever you get your, your podcast you can find Dear Anxiety and the other thing we're going to start this next week we're going to start reading some of the things the, the emails and letters and notes that we get from you about different issues and we want to encourage you to write in or to even make a recording uh, on your phone about an issue that you're having and you can send it to GoZen G-O-Z-E-N.com forward slash Dear Anxiety
1: That's right there's a submission form right there and if you guys are interested in a perfectionism activity kit we actually made an awesome one it's at GoZen.com forward slash imperfect it uses story and worksheets and questions and we've gotten tremendously great feedback on it so it's a really good one if you're working with a child who really is experiencing a fixed mindset
0: well i hope everybody has a great week and i hope that you enjoy your mistakation and keep coming back at works if you work it i'm ed krasnick and i'm renee jane see you next time thank you bye everybody